Previously on Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsessions. What else do you have from Batman as long as we're on, on the subject? Because I don't want to lose that thread. You, okay, you have a Red, Riddler's Frank Gorshin's costume? So, PropStore.com, we're having an auction on December 1st, mm-hmm. and the Bat Shield is going to be in the auction. How so, cool. in the, in the mid 60s, they had one hand prop, and that was it. And if you broke it, they glued it back together. And there was one bat shield used in the first and second season. It says bat shield right across sure. the center. Sure, <laughs> I'm familiar with it. It's it's as good as it can get. The colors are vibrant. There's no cracks. We're thinking four to six hundred thousand. Wow, I'm working three jobs, Gilbert, and I can't afford a bat shield. <laughs> <laughs> can I afford a batarang, James? And now part two with Hollywood memorabilia collector James Commissar. What's the first piece, and I'm sure you've been asked this question, but we're full of cliches here. What's the first piece that really meant a lot to you? <laughs> so the first piece I ever bought was, it was just accidentally, as I went, uh, it was raining, I was supposed to go to the beach, there was some thing written up in the newspaper, some auction that was taking place at the Wilshire E. Mm-hmm. Bell Theater. And so I went in, and there were hundreds and hundreds of lots, all film stuff, and like the almost the very last lot were two bumper cards from The Tonight Show. Oh, that said, yeah, I used to love those. More to, yeah, come. more to come cards, yeah. So those were hand-painted by a guy named uh, Don Locke at NBC. They were just brilliant pieces of art. There was two in one lot, and I waited all day just to get those. And I think the pair of them were like $200, including tax. And I thought, something's wrong here. All this film stuff is selling, but no one cares about the TV. So a light went off in my head that, you know... A fat kid like me who grew up watching all these shows, who loved all these characters, I guess I got to go out and find them. And thankfully, we have. Gilbert, were you on the were you on the Tonight Show? Did you ever sit on the couch? Not not with Carson. I've been on a bunch of times with Leno, but never with Carson. So, so he was a very interesting guy. You know, when I when when I heard that he was going off the air, I mean, it, it was. Shocking to me and horrifying. So I started a letter writing campaign to him. Uh, his nephew there, Jeff Sotzing, was the producer. Helen Sanders ran his company. I ran. I wrote letters to every one of them saying, let me save the set. Let me save the Karnak turban. Please, please. And nobody responded. Finally, maybe a month before the show went off the air, Helen Sanders called me back. And she said, just, just wait. You know, it's very chaotic. Just wait. And like a few months later, she said... Do you still want the Karnak? Oh boy! Outfit? Wow! Wow! And I, and I and she said it's like in Mr. Carson's closet under the tennis rackets. He took it home. It's just in his closet. He was not a nostalgic guy. And did I still want it? And so she took me over to his house, and he opened the door, and he was holding it. And I had a good talk with him for about an hour or so. Super humble, great guy. Um, and. You know, one of the things that I really worry about, guys, is in 10 years, is, is Johnny Carson going to be invisible? Or do people remember yeah, that Yeah, that's brand? something we run into here is that people don't know who these, we, we you know, people don't know who Bob Hope is. It's shocking. Oh, God. It, I, I know. It's shocking. We, I work with them. We had somebody over our house who we were talking to him and saying, we asked him if he knew who David Letterman was. <laughs> Who is he this had person? No someone, idea. The last someone from Bosnia? Who yeah. did they have at the house? Yeah, so it just shows, you know, forget about knowing who Clark Gable was. He didn't know who David Letterman it's, was. It's crazy. I, I, we've been putting together this great auction at 
at uh, PropStore.com, and I'm working with a really talented team, but they're all millennials. And we'd sit there while we're laying out the catalog, and we'd talk about shows, and nobody knew Johnny Carson, nobody knows Archie Bunker, nobody knows Maude, Incredi- nobody knows any of, the, any of these characters. So it, what I worry about is I'm saving these pieces because they're historic and they deserve to be collected, but you know, as a, you know, I got a family to feed. If you hold all this stuff beyond the sell-by date... You know, 10 years from now, is anybody is anybody going to care I, I about think these Dustin shows? Dustin Hoffman said one time that he he had to speak somewhere and he stood up and he said, does anybody re- remember or has heard of the film The Graduate? No one knew it. And he goes, oh have God. you ever heard of a film called Midnight Cowboy? And none one knew that. Well, it was- well it's part of why we do this show. <laughs> James, you know, is to keep this stuff alive. It it means Good something to guys. us. I mean, it's just, it should, and it's amazing how quickly these icons are forgotten. And I think it depends on the family. Like when Mr. Carson passed away, his nephew, Jeff Satsing, is, has a lot mm-hmm. to do with the estate. And I said, whatever you need, man, you want to, you want me to tour the desk around the country, the Karnak Turban, just let me know whatever I can do to, to keep Mr. Carson's legacy alive. And their response was, "Nah, we're not going to really be doing any of that. We have some, we have some, you know, CDs available, and if people want to check us out online, that that that'll be that'll be fine. So, no desire to perpetuate the legacy, and that's problematic. Of you course, know, unless the family or the estate. I mean, if, unless they get humping on it, these names uh, disappear quickly. And getting back to well, getting back to Citizen Kane, those." Those shakers, those, uh, I don't know what you call them, those snow. Oh, the snow globes. Yeah. Snow globe? Snow cone, yeah. Snow globe. Globes. Yeah, Yeah, snow snow cone. cone. Exactly. (laughs) Snow cone would melt. (laughs) Yeah. Snow globe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, everybody wants this stuff now, Gilbert. All these things you're mentioning, I mean, uh, would be very valuable, are very historic, um, are, are, you know, touchstone objects from our shared Mm -hmm. history. But, you know, now I fear that you know, I get calls from guys who are like uh, business managers, investment brokers, and they're calling me and they say, what if we had a million dollars to spend? My client has a strip center and he already has a Picasso and we want to slot in something for about a million bucks. We want it to go up about eight to 10% a year. And these are just now assets to a lot of people. It's, it's along the top tier. A lot of people are speculators. So that kind of kind of takes the fun out of it. It's sad. It takes yeah. the fun out of it. But you know, those those are the guys who can spend five or six or seven million dollars on I'm one. I'm going to run through a couple of these quickly. The Clayton Moore's Lone Ranger costume, George Burns' hairpiece. Do you have George Burns' hairpiece? <laughs> I do, and I have his glasses. Wow. Unbelievable. And, uh, so George was, you know, a little bit uh, prudent, shall we say? He was of that era, and so wherever he went, he would have two El Producto. Queen's cigars in his pocket to hand out. And those are like, you know, the shittiest product on earth. I mean, I, I, you know, I think they were two for a dollar in George's lifetime. And somebody once asked him, well, why are you handing those out? And he would say, because they're free. He, he got them for free. So that's what he would, that's what he would hand we out. talked about. George Reeves, you have the muscle shirt that George Reeves wore under the Superman leotard. This guy schwitzed for his for his work. You know, he wore this very thick rubber uh, 
mm-hmm. torso, and then on top of it, he was essentially wearing a woolen sweater. That that the top that he wore was right. all made out of wool, and it was it was hard work. And you probably know that early on in the series, when he was flying around, they flew him over the soundstage, you know, sure. 15, 20 feet in the air, until they dropped him. The wire broke, and he smacked into the ground, and George Reeves was like, fuck this, I'm done. I'm never going in the air again. So the special effects guy, Cy Simonson, created a pan that he would essentially lay on on the floor of the soundstage, and they would rock him back and forth, and then they would incorporate that into like a a very early green screen image. And that's how, if you watch now, you'll see that you, you... You'll see the outline of this big metal thing under his costume, and that's... That's kind of what he did, but he was a, George Reeves was a very good guy. You know, at the end of every season, he would cut the S off the Superman tunic and he would send it to sick kids oh, who wrote it. That's great. That's yep. wonderful. Yep. So when I, I got the top and it took me like 10 years to find the S to go back on the top because they were all taken off by George and So tell us away. again, if, if people go to the, uh, to the sale, the auction on, uh, on December 1st, they're going to find this stuff. Almost everything we're talking so about. I, a lot of these pieces. So this was my thinking. You know, I've started. I've started talking about a museum mm-hmm. thirty years ago, and I frankly thought by now we'd we'd, we'd it, it would be done. Who wouldn't come to see these pieces? But Hollywood has been, you know, a little skeptical and slow to respond. So I thought, you know what? This is my thirtieth year doing this. I want to. I'm going to release some of these pieces back to the fans. They have never been ambiguous about these pieces the shows the character the stuff they've they've always loved it so even though i have an amazing fine art climate humidity controlled warehouse it's still a warehouse i want to get some of these pieces out and let the fans enjoy it uh while there's still people on earth who remember these brands and these shows so i feel i feel like it's my duty to let some of them go i mean i have thousands of pieces and i think there's 400 in the sale but every piece in that prop store sale uh, I personally picked out, and I have great stories like uh, Howard Stern's Fart Man. There you go, Gilbert. Oh, oh, your, old, he, your old pal. So here's a classy piece for you. Gilbert, here's a classy piece. You're going to love this. So he he decided in, in the early 90s that he was going to fly over the MTV Video Awards audience as Fart Man, and his secret superhero power was gas. So the back of the costume is rare. His ass is hanging out of this thing. His stomach is hanging out the front. It's airbrushed to look like a sort of a urine yellow color. But it's a beautiful piece of art. It was made by Ted Shell, who made a lot of Michael Jackson's costumes. He created Ronald McDonald's costume. This thing cost $10,000 to make in 1992. And it's just a sculptural piece of art. But here comes the problem. So... Part of our business is we loan and and sometimes rent pieces to existing museums across the country. And I have personally pitched many times, hey, you guys, we have Howard Stern's Fartman costume. It's amazing. He's got such a big fan base. This is going to be the greatest thing for you. But the people who select what goes on view in a museum are these 80-year-old blue hair Republicans and getting them to display Howard's (laughs) bare-ass costume Proved to be difficult, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> so that's like four to six thousand dollars. It cost ten thousand to make twenty years ago. I mean, I, I hope that finds and, a great home. I hope it goes to a home that somebody will really, you know, appreciate. That even for Howard's, that as brave he's as he is, what a courageous performance to get in that. Well, costume how much are the soaps thing. under Gilbert's bed worth? 
<laughs> what kind of soap? Are we talking about pump oh, soap? I have, uh, soaps from TWA. <laughs> He'll sign them. <laughs> this wow. is 40, 40 years of hotel uh, soap, buddy. Dara's nodding. You get a part with any hotel towels? And, oh, I was thinking with I Dream of Genie, there was the regular yep. size bottle. And then there would be like a giant bottle when she was inside. Oh, you're absolutely the right. Bottle. You're, so do you, that's exactly right. So Barbara would have much. this, you know, they would have this this half cut bottle and she'd sit on the couch and she'd do her thing when she was supposed to be in the bottle. So let me tell you the story about the genie bottle that the the you know hand sized bottle. So the show was the pilot was shot in 1964 uh, in December, and so one of the producers got this fancy booze bottle. It was a 1964 Jim Beam Christmas decanter, and it was had this sort of cool shape. And they said, "Screw it, paint it." And that was the bottle. It was a 1964 Jim Beam booze bottle that was under that paint job. Wow. That's pretty cool. I've seen. So there's yeah, a lot I think of you history. were on a show that I uh, that I worked on uh, personal FX at the FX Network years ago. You remember this? Okay. And, All right. Do I remember it? That was the first. It, many see, I'm, I'm years tell you ago. The name of the guy who did it. I was. I was. You know. I know it because I was on the same lot. This was in my days of writing comedy. One of the first jobs I had was writing questions for bachelorettes on the all new dating game <laughs> and it was on the same lot sunset gower i'm sitting across the street from that mm -hmm. studio right now and who did you write for in those days joan rivers danny get the oh late my. danny gans so you had oh danny gans i Vegas i spent legend. so many evenings in his kitchen you know he was he was a lovely guy he lived in la Cañada out here in southern california Smart, funny, super talented guy. You know, he wanted to be in baseball and he was in the minor leagues and he was on his way up. He injured himself and he was hospitalized. And while he was in bed, he started to entertain himself and his dad. He started doing little impressions and it turns out the guy was great. So I was writing, um, I think he got my name from Joan Rivers at the time and he wanted to punch up his act. You know, he was talented, but not necessarily a joke writer. So I'd go, this was a very conservative religious man, extremely conservative. So I'd give him a joke, you know, a, you know, a joke about, you know, a, a, a sexy joke. And he'd go, that's funny. Can't use it. And then I'd do a joke about a gay couple. Oh, that's great. People would love that. Nope. And we'd go through <laughs> the whole Sack. list and he would use nothing because he, that was against his religious beliefs. But he was a lovely guy. I started out with Joan Rivers. She was very interesting. She was a... a a lovely lady. Let me tell you a little Jewish story, <laughs> Gilbert. So right out of high school, I knew I was funny. I wanted to write jokes. I wanted to write for Joan Rivers. So I had a buddy of mine, Brad Grunberg, very well-known character actor, heavy set guy. He went to Western Costume. He rented a chef's outfit. I went to Junior's Delicatessen sure. on Pico and Westwood. And I said, I want you to make me the biggest two matzo balls you can possibly make. So they spent all day making it, and they came up with one that was somewhere be between a grapefruit and a basketball. And my buddy ran it over to Joan Rivers, and the, and the note said, from a new writer with the biggest balls in the business. And she thought it was funny, and she invited, she invited me over to her taping, and I started writing for her. And she had a very interesting way of hiring writers. So she'd say... Give me 20 jokes about Heidi Abramowitz, the tramp, or I'm um, going to my high school reunion. Give me 20 jokes. So you'd write 20 jokes. 
she'd she'd buy two of them, fifteen dollars each, and then she'd use all twenty in her ass. <laughs> I know I know something of this. <laughs> so that's what and then Howie, he was on your show recently, wasn't he? Howie Mandel? He's the best. He's a great guy. I wrote I did some writing for him. And so there was a CBS special we were writing for him and um we'd write a bunch of stuff. Wendy Liebman is a great stand up. She was writing on that show. And no matter what you put on the cards for Howie, no matter what it was, as soon as he got on stage, he'd go to the person in the front row and say, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he would do 45 minutes on everything, which he was so brilliant at. But uh, yeah, so I started, it's being a fat kid, watching TV had to be funny. So I didn't get my ass kicked every day in school. From that, I became a joke writer. I started walking around the lots, looking through the costume department. And it led you to this new career. And now I'm here with Gilbert Gottfried. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey Gilbert, did you? What do you say? For, what do you have from your career? Do you like you do the roasts? Do you save any of your clothing? Nothing. You have them preserved. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. He has about six hundred t-shirts soaps, from from yes. uh, from radio appearances. <laughs> Free t-shirts. Right, Dara's nodding. Has he saved Surfing? anything from from Aladdin or uh, or Beverly Hills Cop? Does he have? You have anything, Gil? I Dara's have... nodding. You do. Oh, let's see. The parrot sculpture, yeah. but that's not. But that's not from the movie. Is no. It? Yeah, he's looking. He's looking for authenticated stuff from the films. Like, do you have your Aladdin script with your notes in no. it? No. Shit, that would be great. To for me to write down notes. <laughs> that would be called preparation. I bet Gilbert. he has some scripts, James, from from certain things. What do you think, Gilbert? What do you think 50 years from now, what are we going to be talking about as far as Gilbert Gottfried? What do you think your legacy is going to be? Uh, that, uh, you know, some starlet died in a party I was at. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like Fatty Arbuckle, hopefully. Like, no one knows how she actually died, but the rumor is. <laughs> what do you got from the honeymooners, James, as we Thank wind down? Thank you for asking. Well, well, how about Ralph Cramden's bus driving jacket? Excellent. Good, so cool. This, I like so it. So the reason this survived and it's in beautiful condition is, you know, Jackie Gleason was a big boy, and so that costume went back to rental stock, but not too many people had a... 52-inch chest, so it never rented out. It was never dry clean, and it's in beautiful condition. Um, but what I wanted to remind you guys about, especially you, Frank, I know you're a little bit of a collector. A and little that bit. Is this, a little bit. I'm this, not your class. It's okay. This prop store auction, propstore.com. We Let me just tell you some of the craziness we have. We have Adam West's Batshield, the only one ever made in this sale. We have Frank Gorshin's Riddler costume. Not just his costume, the one he wore in the first scene of the first episode when we're introduced to him. Hey, diddle, diddle. It's, and the question marks are handwritten on with a marker. That's, that's wild. It's like, it's unbelievable. Do you what do you remember? got that I can afford, James? <sighs> what can I get for 500 bucks? 500 bucks? Uh, a autographic catalog. Great. Does that sound good? Hey, but I know where you can get a, a hotel soap collection for in that price range. 
<laughs> tell people oh, so, tell people how they can get there. So propstore.com, the this the sale um, is on December first. It's all it lives online. Whether you want something from the Sopranos or whether you uh, you have Laura like the Palmer's casket from Twin Peaks. Oh my God! Fascinating. Who, who currently owns? That little man that chased uh, Karen Black. Oh, the trilogy of terror model. Yes, I would like to know who that person is. It's not me. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) You asked for the strangest stuff, Gilbert. You know, did you watch Night Gallery? Sure. Yeah. We were just talking about how bad the show it was. It was a piece of shit. Night Gallery. (laughs) We. Okay, we call it a period piece. We call it a period piece. We don't call it a piece of shit. But I you know. say night gallery if you want to learn yeah. everything that was wrong with 70s TV. Uh, just watch an episode of night gallery. But there gallery. are a handful of really good ones, I must well, say. The first step, the first season was good, second not so good. Third season just was just a wild piece of shit because the studios had control of the cut and they wanted to intercut episodes and it was just a clusterfuck at the end a tremendous embarrassment but i got news for you we have a couple of those night gallery original paintings in the sale i mean those are good for ten fifteen thousand dollars each wow yeah the, the, those the, the, i imagine would be worth some yeah you have the, but, gra- the grave the, the the from the roddy mcdowell episode from the pilot the that's paintings. the one to get no oh, i mean that would be man that would and, be 25 to fifty thousand. On Night Gallery, they would do these blackouts that were kind of like out of laughing. They'd have these, <laughs> and and they did about right. twenty. All oh, those little vignettes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And a guy would be dressed as Dracula, <laughs> and you'd even as a kid, I'd go, okay, he, we're gonna find out he's in a blood bank. That'll be the punchline. <laughs> the guy liked Night Gallery. Don't pee on his cornflakes. That was a piece of shit, show. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Let's cut to the chase, James. Don't fuck yes, yourself. Do you have well, the fuck f- yourself? Do you have a fickle finger of fate? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, now uh, Gilbert's back in. He's oh, back, back, in. Now. He's back in. back in. He's a fan again. <laughs> what you like? Yes. So, flying fickle finger of fate. Those were amazing. Um, Every week, somebody in the news would get one of those. You know, uh, there are quite a few of those around. Those are probably a thousand to two thousand dollars each. Do you have a bikini bottom that Goldie Hawn wore? <laughs> thanks for keeping yeah, you, it classy. Yeah, no, get I thanks, Gil. I, I wish I did. I wish I did. So me I'm going to ask me each too, of you. Era, I keep telling you. <laughs> if you could have Gilbert, if you could have one piece from television, one single artifact, costume, prop, set, vehicle, what would it be? Ooh. God, let's see. Would it be something from Twilight Zone? Yeah, Twilight Zone would sure be good. What would it be? Uh, For me, it would be, from Twilight Zone, it would be the To Serve Man cookbook. That would be the piece to get. Oh, excellent. Or how about that little fortune-telling machine from the the William Shatner episode with the little devil head? Or what about Burgess Meredith's glasses that break at the end? Oh, yeah. Any of the above, my friend. Seen none of it. None of it's ever surfaced except this one piece that's coming up at PropStore.com. That's that's it. What about you, Frank? Favorite show, favorite piece? Green Hornet. My friend nice. Greg. My friend Greg Pear is here, our our uh, our Twitter master for the show, and he's got some cool stuff. He's got some Green Hornet stuff. Anything from that show? Green Hornet is um, only hard one to get season. Stuff. Sorry, didn't last. It was very short lived. Aaron gone. But it's, there's a strong fan base for it. Um, not too many pieces have survived. You know, if you got one of the masks, of course, that would be the I'd kill. great piece. 
Um, the car is sold once or twice. Um, that's the, the of course sting, a great piece. the the, uh, the the Hornet sting, the the the, uh, the the gun that used to come out like an antenna, or, oh. or the or the mask, or any of that stuff. Any of that stuff. Anything superhero, science fiction uh, genre. That's the gold standard. That's yeah. that stuff sells for more than anything because these guys, these geeks like us, who grew up to invent Google or some great technology, who are now worth two hundred. You know, $200 billion, those are the guys who go after those pieces at auction. Hang on a second. We're getting a question from our Twitter guy. What was that, Greg? The radio. It's a great question. So I, I saw Russell Johnson a couple of years before his death, and I said, where's the radio? And he says, it's in my living room. And I said, well, I'd like it to be in my living room. Would you like to sell it? And so uh, he... He's now gone. Yep. Uh, I'm sure the radio is still with him. Um, I find that I have a lot of clients who are celebrities, and when you're dealing with a client who's a celebrity and there's that one great piece that represents their whole career, a genie bottle, the professor's radio, something like that, they usually have a very high idea of what they think it's worth. It might be well in advance of the art market value, so it's usually pretty hard to get something like that out of a, a performer. You know, he probably thought it was worth 100000 and when it was probably worth four to 6000 So tell us again, James. Uh, December 1st, they can go to PropStore.com. PropStore.com. And, and if find you have some of these goodies if, if, you're, if you're a little flush. Hey, I'm on Facebook, James Commissar. Send me a message. I'm happy to answer any question about any piece or just geek out over any of these shows. If Jeff, you guys what do you, what do you have, by, Jeff? Anything? Does Jeff Abraham, who's sitting behind you, have anything? Jeff, Jeff, we didn't mean on. to wake you. Sorry, he's he's on eBay right now. So they're, <laughs> so they're asking you, what do, what do you have in your collection? I just bought Jerry Lewis's uh, King of Comedy trademark glasses. There you go, Gilbert. Oh, That's a good one. That's a good Does one. Does anyone have any of Jerry Lewis's actual tooth pieces that he wore as like the Nutty Professor or anything? I have his Nutty Professor pants, Professor Kelp's pants. Ooh, I don't have that's the glasses. Good. That's something. That's something. Yeah. Let me ask James something, Jeff. What about the prop glasses from the jerk? That's uh, Mo movie mi stuff. Mi yeah, mid seventies. Not, not your specialty. No, I've, no I absolutely. I'm, I'm a world expert in authenticating motion picture stuff. Um, that film is not remembered as one of the great films of all time. I mean, if you watch it now, it's a little hard to get through so that's a little soft but if you had steve martin's white suit you know from his appearance on saturday night live uh or a co yeah. i'm in for 25 grand and i know mike lacy at the comedy magic club he'd probably spend 50 grand for it about that what's a what is a batarang going for one that was well, used on the show batarang okay so robin was usually seen carrying a batarang those were made out of metal they made very few of them um, I would imagine if you had one in pretty good shape, the paint was still on it. You could you could somehow prove that it was from that era and used on the show. I gotta think twenty five to fifty thousand dollars. Wow, wow, too rich for my blood. But I will go and I will look at the stuff that you have <laughs> because I'm absolutely fascinated by this, as Gilbert is. And we should thank you too for fighting the good fight and trying to get this museum built all of these years. It. And don't it's give up. And I'm never I'm never giving up. And you'll never be back on this show until you're ready to admit that <laughs> Night Gallery was a piece of shit. Until next time, Gilbert. Okay. <laughs> We've been talking to the boy, what the person Robin Leach called the boy wonder of collecting. 
James Commissar. God bless you both. James, this was a thrill. Jeff, thanks for setting this up. Oh, our pleasure. Okay, guys. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Appreciate it.